I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group, and this week we're going to do something a little bit different. You know, I remember five years ago when we started Next Move Group, my co-founder and I, Alex Metzger, sitting down and really talking about what we wanted to do with the company, and we had a couple internal philosophies, and this week's going to kind of kind of reveal that. So one of our philosophies is we wanted to work twice as hard as any of our competitors, and and I don't mind telling you putting these podcasts together work especially the one today as you're going to find out we got so many guests and another philosophy we have is we want to do twice as good a work as anybody and I feel like most of our clients will tell you that we do really 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 good work but the third thing was we want to have twice as much fun as anybody we did not want to be seen as stuffy consultants that thought they knew everything I used to be an economic developer and I was accustomed to that type and we said we want to have fun and we want people to know we have fun we want people to know that we don't take ourselves too seriously we really value our clients and the service we give them but we want to have fun as we do it and so today we're going to talk about something fun and that's college football and so most of our clients are college football fans almost all of them not every one of them but almost all of them are nearly all of our staff and partners are college football fans and believe it or not I'm well known for co-founding Next Move Group but the first thing I co-founded was a football picking contest when I was in high school ninth grade with Kenneth Baggett my neighborhood buddy we founded something called the Bragging Rights Football Pick'em it's had over a hundred people play in it since we started in 1997 including a whole lot of economic developers so football is a passion of mine you know I'm passionate about creating economic growth for small to mid-sized companies, communities, and nonprofit organizations, but I'm just as passionate about football. So about once every six months, we're going to throw a fun podcast in here. Now, I have fun with almost all our podcasts, but most of the time we're talking about economic development and serious matters. So about once every six months, we're going to throw something in here like this one today. Today's podcast is fitting because the college football championship this year is in New Orleans. So I imagine when we get around to January, we may do another show like this uh, when we see who the teams are to throw another fun podcast in there with our typical serious podcast. So today you're going to hear from some economic developers. You're going to hear from some of my childhood buddies who play in the bragging rights football pick'em. You're going to hear from a site selector. You're even going to hear from my brother who's a huge Alabama fan as we preview the college football season. 
But before we really get into previewing college football, I've got to have a little bit of closure. So you know I live in New Orleans, and I am a huge New Orleans Saints fan. And and I just can't move on into this season without talking a little bit about what happened last year and getting closure on the fact that the Saints were literally cheated and robbed out of going to the Super Bowl by that official who did not throw the pass interference penalty when we played the Rams. So we're going to start with Clemson Tigers. They are uh, they're the defending national champions, so we're going to start out with them when we start in our, on our college football preview podcast. But we are going to talk first about the New Orleans Saints, just so I can get closure for uh, for what happened in that Superdome last year. And so that's going to be the only NFL team that we preview. The Saints will be the only NFL team we preview, and then everything else is going to be about college football because that's where most of our folks are passionate about. But, hey, since this is my podcast for my own therapy, i got to get a little closure on the Saints first. So that's where we'll begin. I will say before we start that this week's episode, we've got a lot of guests from around the country, so some of them we had to do on the telephone. So uh, if the audio quality is not quite what you're accustomed to, that's all right. We've got a bunch of guests talking about their team, so we've had to do some of them on the telephone. So if it sounds like we're on the telephone, that's because we are. So bear that in mind. All right, and now I'm going to preview the New Orleans Saints schedule. But before I preview it, let's take ourselves back to the NFC Championship game in New Orleans in January. The Saints have the ball on the 10 or 15-yard line. All we need is a first down, and we can need the ball and kick a field goal to go to the Superdome. And the Rams guy just hits our running back uh, two seconds before the ball got there. I mean, literally a blind person could have called a penalty just by being able to hear when the hit came, and for whatever the reason, the referees decided not to throw the flag. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard for the Saints to get over that, literally being cheated out of the Super Bowl, which is precisely what we were. It's going to be hard to get over that, so I'm worried as this season starts, the first game or two, we might have a hangover over over literally being cheated. I mean, we were cheated so bad, the NFL changed the rule. Did you know this year you're going to be able to challenge pass interference penalties because of that stupid, stupid call that those referees made in that Superdome. Did you know that the three referees whose call that was were all from California? And, and, and of course, it was the Los Angeles Rams we were playing. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Who in the world would have come up with that as a way to officiate the ball game? Let's put California referees in New Orleans to call the Los Angeles New Orleans game. But that's what they did. I guess we should be used to it after Roger Goodell once suspended our coach for the whole season. You know, I mean, we're used to being treated this way. So we got to go out and earn everything that we get. Lord knows they're not going to give anything to us. So I'm really worried. Our season starts hard. Very, very difficult. And I'm worried that our guys are going to have a hangover as we start the season. Our center, Max Unger, retired. I happen to think the center is one of the most important positions on the football field, so that worries me uh, from that position. I never worry about Drew Brees. People say he's old and over the hill. Y'all are crazy if you think he's old and over the hill. The man is the most accurate passer I've ever seen, so I'm not a bit worried about him. Our defense, I think, is going to be good. I never worry about the offense with Sean Payton, but I am worried the Saints have a bad habit of coming out and starting the season poorly. Last year, as good as we were, Tampa Bay beat us 4-0. 
40-something to 30. I can't remember what the final score was. You know, and so you combine the fact that usually we're not quite ready for the season to start with how, you know, what happened in the Superdome in January where we were cheated, and I'm just worried we're going to have a bad, a bad start. Now, the one thing I'm happy about, we start on a Monday night against Houston against the Texans. And so the Saints typically play well at home on Monday night. So the crowd will be rocking. It'll be a playoff atmosphere to start the season. And so maybe that'll get us, you know, ready to go instead of one of those Sunday at noon games where the guys sleepwalk. I do worry about playing the Texans first because they're all healthy. You know, usually when you play the Texans, uh, their quarterback, Watson, he's bad to get injured. J.J. Watts, their star on defense, he's bad to get injured. So if you catch them around week eight or week nine, a lot of times you don't have to worry about them. But obviously in week one they're going to be ready to go. So we start with Houston in the Superdome on a Monday night. You know we'll be there. And so uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get that win. Then, you know, we go to the Rams. So, like I said, maybe this will get us over our hangover, the fact that we can go to Los Angeles and act some revenge, you know, right out of the gate. Maybe that will get our guys to not have a hangover. But then we go to Seattle. And, you know, Seattle's one of the hardest places in the world to play on the road. So, the NFL, after cheating us last year, which is precisely what they did, they reward us by making us go to the Rams and to Seattle in two of our first three games. I mean, we could be a really good football team and start one and two. After that, we come home to play Dallas. Now, you know, I went to Mississippi State, so I love Dak Prescott. So I will be just a hair conflicted there. I'll be 99% for the New Orleans Saints, but maybe we can beat Dallas 44 to 43 and Dak have a big game. I, I don't want him to do poorly because I think so much of him what he did for Mississippi State. We should beat Dallas at home. Now, that's a Sunday night game, so our first two home games are night games, so the Superdome will be a rocket. But we could easily start 1-3, and 2-2, two and two, something like that, and be a pretty good football team. Then we get a little bit of reprieve. We get Tampa Bay at home. They won't beat us with Jameis Winston. I'm not a bit worried about that. He turns the football over too much. But then we go to Jacksonville and Chicago. You know, Jacksonville's got a quarterback this year, so they're going to be good. They've always got a good defense. Then we go to Chicago. You know, so our first road games, listen at this. Listen what the NFL has done to us after cheating. Our first road games are at the Rams, at Seattle, at Jacksonville, at Chicago. <laughs> we could be a really good football team and be 0-4 in those road games, 1-3. If we go 2-2 two and two through there, I'll be very happy. We'll have a chance to go to the Super Bowl if we do that. Then we get to finally play some home games. Arizona, we'll beat them. Atlanta, we always beat the Falcons at home. At Tampa Bay, we'll beat them. Carolina at home, we always beat Carolina at home. Then, for some reason, two years in a row, uh, the NFL's made us play the Atlanta Falcons on Thanksgiving night. Well, there's a big problem for me with that. You know, the Falcons are the Saints' rivals. Everybody knows that. Well, my college team is Mississippi State. We play Ole Miss on Thanksgiving night. So the NFL, you know, you, you, two years in a row, you make us play Atlanta on Thanksgiving night. So two years, you know, there's only two games of the year I care about if my team's not in the playoffs, and that's the Saints-Falcons. We play them twice, so there's three games I care about. And Mississippi State-Ole Miss, and we got to play the same night. I mean, I can't even go to one of the games for watching the other one. 
you know, why in the world they continually doing this? I don't know. It totally ruins Thanksgiving. And then you sit there, you could be watching one. You know, what if we're up 14 to nothing in the Egg Bowl and the Saints are behind 14? I can't even enjoy myself. So I, I'm sick of these Thanksgiving games. And to go to the game, it ruins your Thanksgiving. You know, if you want to go to the Egg Bowl, let's say, to get it started, well, you got to get up there. At the, you got to leave, you know, around lunch to go to it. I'm sick and tired of it. Then we finish in a pretty good way. We got the 49ers, which, you know, they say they're better with Garoppolo. I, I had to see it to believe it. Then the Colts on a Monday night, and the rumor is Andrew Luck may not play. He may be back by then. Then we go to the Titans, which I don't really worry about. And we end with Carolina. We usually beat Carolina. We usually play them pretty well, especially by the end of the season. So, you know, it, it's not an easy schedule. The NFL did us no favors, making us go to the Rams and Seattle right out of the bat. I'm worried that we'll have a little hangover. So, you know, this season we were 13-3 and last year. If we can go 11-5 and this year, I'll be elated with these road games. We got some very tough road games. 10-6 and ought to get us in the playoffs. 11-5, and I will be elated if we somehow went 12-4, and give Sean Payton the coach of the year, and we'll probably be in the Superdome hosting some playoff games. You know, but I just hope the guys can get over really how we were cheated last year, you know, Probably what will happen, knowing us, is this year we'll be right back in the same situation, planning to go to the Super Bowl, and we'll probably be the one that pass in the fears, and they won't call it, and they'll have to review it. Since we the ones got the rule changed, they're they liable to review it and go in there and take it away from us. So I think the NFL got what it deserved, the way they cheated us with that Super Bowl. The Rams scored three points against the Patriots. I mean, it was a, it was an embarrassment. You, you've watched better junior high football games than that Super Bowl that they gave us. So, uh, I don't know. I just don't know if we can get back where we were. It's just hard to do it two years in a row. Uh, but let's see if we can. If there's anybody can do it, it's Drew Brees. I'm the biggest believer in him in the world. Sean Payton's done a great job here. And if we can get some home games, we'll be in good shape. So come Monday night, two weeks from now, we'll be playing the Texans. And let's hope we get off to a 1-0 start. And all I got to say is who that, who that say they're going to beat them Saints. We're going to start our podcast this week, preview of the college football season with the man with all the bragging rights. We're going to start with the Clemson Tigers. So John Sisson, who does our site location projects for Next Move Group, member of the Site Selectors Guild, is a Clemson, huge Clemson fan. And uh, and so, John, why don't you start off? We'll let you brag a little bit. I mean, uh, defending national champions. Defending national champions. 44-16 right. over Alabama. Is that what it ended up being? It could have been worse. It, it could have been worse than that. Seen in the playoffs. <laughs> All right, I know John's got some jokes for us. So, John, why don't you? What, what, what is what does the moon and Clemson Tigers have in common? They both roll the tide. <laughs> well, you know the championships in New Orleans this year, so I got a feeling you're going to be down here visiting me. We'll play in Alabama again. I hope so. I hope so. Well, I'm looking at your schedule, and uh, it's kind of a tough start. You start with Georgia Tech, which should be easy, but then you play Texas A&M at, at Clemson with uh, with Jimbo Fisher. I mean, uh, are you worried about that game, or you don't think it'd be any trouble? No, Jim, Jimbo left the uh, ACC because he couldn't beat Clemson anymore. But he unfortunately went to a went to a school where he had to play Clemson twice in a row. So <laughs> he we probably beat gave away last year in a tough game, and uh, yeah. that's probably one of the harder games on our schedule. There's no doubt about that. But and you Georgia didn't have to be interesting because they have a new coach, so they're going to be a unknown team. 
Yeah, but you didn't have your quarterback in that Texas A&M game last. That was before you made the switch to Lawrence. Right. You know, yeah, so Trevor Lawrence is pretty good. Uh, yeah, and, and then you go to Syracuse, and they've played you tough over the years. Is that kind of your probably your, your toughest game? I think the Syracuse away game is probably going to be the hardest game. I don't know why. You know, well, Syracuse had a good team last year. They finished, I think, in the top fifteen at the end of the year. So they they've been pretty tough, but. Uh, I tell you, our offense is going to really roll this year. I think uh, if, if they they play up to uh, their capabilities, uh, we got four out of five offensive linemen back. Uh, we got uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, uh, and we've got four NFL quality receivers. Uh, well, and you know Lawrence should win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, after the way he, I mean, nobody goes up and down the field on Alabama the way he did. I, I think he's the favorite, don't you think? Coming into the season, he's he's probably a favorite over Tua to win the Heisman. Yeah, I think so. Well, he's he's right up there with it. You know, they got to play they got to play the games. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking at your schedule. I mean, Florida State's not any good anymore. You know, so they shouldn't. But, you know, at the end, you go to NC State and to South Carolina. How many years has it been since South Carolina beat Clemson? Uh, we're up to five, I think. Yeah, I mean, so you've been a Clemson fan forever. Could you have ever expected to, I mean, for Dabo to do this? I mean, turn you literally into the, the powerhouse of the century with Alabama. I mean, you just got to be just a dream come true. Yeah, it's it's been quite a ride for the school and the and the the team and 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 it's and it's been really fun because we've gotten to watch you know a lot of great players, Newt Hopkins and Grady Jarrett's uh, playing defense for Atlanta. They're they're, they're number one player. Uh, we set we sent I think ten ten guys into the NFL uh, this year off our team, and a, one of the backup linemen, Albert Huggins, who who didn't even start for us. Was, has has just and he was undrafted, just was graded out as one of the best rookie linemen, defensive linemen uh, playing so far. And he wasn't so, good enough to start for Clemson. That's how good he your defense. Start for Clemson. <laughs> That's how good your defensive line was. All right, well, tell us. Do you think uh, you think you're going to be sitting in New Orleans playing Alabama or uh, in the national championship this year? Who worries you out there on your schedule? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, we, we haven't, we haven't lost a bad game in a long time. So, uh, we've, you know, we haven't lost anybody, uh, that we, that we, 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 uh, should have beaten. And, and, uh, so, you know, uh, first 15 and 0 team in the history of college football, modern history of college football. Um, if they get through their first two games, then, then I think they're they're and, and the Syracuse game, then I think they're going to roll. So, uh, and, and I've never been to a game at Clemson. I've heard nothing but good things about. It. Tell these folks what it's like. I mean, it's a little small town, isn't it? I know you live in Greenville, and you go down to the, all the games. Clemson and Auburn are really a lot alike. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's about thirty five miles from Greenville. Greenville's uh, about a five hundred thousand person town, uh, uh, but Clemson's only a, it's a small college town. Uh, so it's really beautiful. It's on a big lake. Uh, stadium seats about ninety thousand, and it is it is packed up, and people tailgate uh, for hours and hours and hours. The par- parking lot opens. Uh, well, the be- the best games are the are the uh, three thirty games in the afternoon. Everybody gets there at ten o'clock and and watches football on TV and uh, parties and has a great time. Meets all their friends and and I think the crowd is uh, is 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 very nice and receptive to. Uh, to other teams coming to play, and uh, we just appreciate the game. 
All right. Well, most of our podcasts are serious and about economic development, but we wanted to do this one today because I love football and most all of our of our clients love football. So we'll probably do another one of these uh, for the national championship since it's in New Orleans. So I got a funny feeling that uh, you'll be sitting here uh, talking about Clemson in the championship game. I'll be surprised if not. So. I'm, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to come back and uh, have a, have more fun than we did when we played Alabama and New Orleans last time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a semifinal, so you know, you know it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. <laughs> well, but that's true. You know, Saban had like a month to get ready for that. He, he is not as good if he only has a week to get ready versus that month. And uh, so you don't want to play him in the semifinal. You want to play him in the final. Right. I agree with that. So, uh, you know, Bama's going to be tough. There's, there, there, and Georgia's going to be real tough. And, you know, there's some, there's some quality programs. I don't know uh, how Ohio State's going to come out. Michigan's supposed to be real good. Uh uh, but they got they got drubbed in the bowl last year by Florida. So I don't know. You know, it it, it, it it that's the thing that makes college football so exciting. You know, we got a brand new we got a we got uh, six new guys on defense, and uh, you know they got they got quality depth, but they're gonna have to they're gonna have to show what they can do on the field. Well, I tell you what, Dabo's does just been amazing, and I I don't see this run ending because he's recruiting. I mean, just uh, every year he's uh, in the top of the recruiting, and uh, and with Florida State and Miami both down, there's really nobody in the conference to come up and challenge it. No, we should we we should make the we should make the ACC uh, uh, championship. But you know, last year we came within that Syracuse game at home. If we'd have lost that game, we wouldn't have gone to the ACC championship. And then oh always, really. Yeah, then it's always a crapshoot whether you can get in. Yeah, no, Syracuse Syracuse only lost one game. I didn't realize they were that good. I knew they were a good team, but I didn't know they were that good. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a tight game. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember watching that one. All right, well, John, thank you for being with us today. And uh, you got any more Clemson jokes for us before we move on to the next team? No, I don't. I don't think I have another one. I think the moon joke's the best one. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you for being with us. All right, now we're going to preview the Tennessee Volunteers with Daniel Webb, the biggest Tennessee fan I know. And I've known Daniel about 10 years now. They had not had a good season since I've known him, I don't think. So, Daniel, is this season going to be any different? Uh, I don't know how different it's going to be this year, but hopefully we're going to see some uh, some good progress. We're excited. Uh, got Jeremy Pruitt entering year two. Uh, obviously, uh, been the defensive coordinator at several big-time programs and has won several national championships and knows what it takes to win an SEC. So. Uh, very optimistic that if we can return, you know, to our glory years, the 90s, that uh, that he's going to be the guy that can get us there. So, so optimism, but not sure if, uh, you know, year two is going to get us back into the championship contender that we want to be. But hopefully we're going to see some progress that uh, that we're moving in the right direction and getting back to the Tennessee that, that I knew as a kid growing up. Well, I think it was smart getting Philip Fulmer back involved. He's the one got Jeremy Pruitt in there. He is. He is. Uh, Coach Fulmer's uh, – you know, obviously, long history and a very proud uh, Tennessean, and and uh, really has been a, I guess, a instrumental part in and uh, uh, making sure we get the right pieces back to, back in place that hopefully will uh, will help turn our program around. I think Pruitt's the right man. I mean, y'all beat Auburn last year, and that was a that was a good win. At least you had one good victory under his belt after what Butch Johnson went zero and eight, didn't he? His last year at SEC. Oh man. We don't talk about him. He's uh, thankfully gone, and 
Yeah. What was funny is when Alabama beat y'all and Butch is walking around like he did it after Nick Saban's one. I heard that he did get Saban's coffee that morning at the game, so I guess he did. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sitting here looking at your schedule. So the second week you got BYU coming into Tennessee, and they've always got a good defense. I mean, if you win that, you get off to a decent start. But are you are you worried about that game? Yeah, you know, BYU is definitely uh, not a team we can take lightly. Uh, I don't think Tennessee's, you know, in a place where they can take anybody too lightly. But uh, BYU will be a tough opponent, and it's really a must-win game. You hate to say that, but but when you're looking for wins and, you know, to kind of make that next step and show progress, uh, BYU is definitely a must-win game for Tennessee, and it's one that I think we can win, but it, it should be a, a decent challenge for us for sure. Are you going to go up to Neyland Stadium for that game? Not for that game, unfortunately. We were looking at it, but uh, my son's got doubleheader um, baseball games that afternoon, so we're going to have to watch it from home. But we'll definitely be making our way to Knoxville and uh, plan to be up there for the Mississippi State game over fall break. So uh, well, they usually don't win when you're there, so I, I just assume you go. You might be their bad luck charm. Well, that's true. I haven't been to many games we've won in the last 10 years, but, uh, but hopefully we're going to break that streak. So you hired George as offensive coordinator, and he used to be at Tennessee. And what did you think of him when he was there? Are you happy he's back? Yeah, yeah, we're we're excited to have uh, Jim Chaney back, and I uh, think he'll he'll really uh, help bring our offense along. And uh, really liked him last, you know, in his last stint with Tennessee. He was there with uh, Derek Dooley, and actually tried to remain on staff with uh, Butch Jones, but uh, Butch told him he was bringing in the best staff in America, and we can all see how that worked out for Tennessee. Well, they raised some good boys. What was it saying? I got life champions? Yeah, yeah. We have a five-star heart and life champions, so uh, a lot of life championship trophies to show. That's something to hang your hat on. Uh, is you, <laughs> have you got a quarterback this year? Is it, is yeah, Jared Garantano is returning. He's a redshirt junior and, um, you know, showed some – some uh, good poise last year was able to stand in the pocket uh you know the only thing that that really uh looked bad on my part or not not look bad but my concern is is that uh he does not always have pocket awareness but hopefully uh coach cheney you know and the offensive staff can get that going along and uh he'll have a big year for us well i'm looking at your schedule so you got four games in a row five really you got at let's see you got georgia then my miss no, you got at Florida, then you got Georgia, then you got my Mississippi State team, then you go to Alabama, then you got South Carolina. So at best you might can beat us in South Carolina and go two and three unless you upset Florida. I mean, you could come out of that though one and five, I uh, see one and four, oh and five. I mean, what do you think through that stretch there? At Florida, Georgia at home, Mississippi State at home, at Alabama, and South Carolina at home. What do you want to see from your team through that stretch? Yeah. Surely you at least want to be competitive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's key. You know, with uh, with Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, I don't know that we can beat any of those teams. But, you know, hopefully we can just keep it competitive and start showing progress there. And then you look at the rest of the schedule. And, um, you know, I think Mississippi State, South Carolina – uh, those two games are toss-up games, and, you know, hopefully things will break our way and, uh, you know, it can help us show that progress that we need to show. You know, looking at the schedule overall, hopefully this year the the floor for Tennessee is 6-6, six and six, worst case is at least that's kind of what I'm seeing, and probably best case is 8-4, and four, uh, with 7-5 and five probably most likely. Now you think y'all can beat Mississippi State? It's in well, Knoxville. And it's, yeah. 
Our you know, coach last year wasn't much on the road. We went to Kentucky and scored seven points. So I, I'm not convinced that we've got the right coach to start with. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, personally, the only thing that scares me about the Mississippi State game for Tennessee this year is you guys will be coming off a bye, and uh, you know, and we're coming off playing Georgia, and um, that's my biggest scare with you guys. But if if we're healthy, then uh, I do think we can we can take care of business with it being a Knoxville. I, think it'll be a close game, but uh, hopefully Tennessee can edge that one out and we can move that one to the win column. All right, and I'm looking here. You finish at Kentucky, which they're better. I don't know how many boys they got coming back. At Missouri, everybody says they're good. And then Vanderbilt at home. And here lately, Vanderbilt's been beating you. So, if you get to there, you're probably going to have to win two of them to make a bowl. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to take care of Vanderbilt this year. And, uh, you know, Tennessee seems to have Kentucky's number historically. I mean, even through this, uh, you know, bad decade that we've been, we've still won the Kentucky game most years. So hopefully we can finish the season strong with some momentum and close out 2-0. and uh, Definitely counting on those two wins in order to get to those seven or eight wins that I mentioned earlier. All right, so you'll be happy this year if Tennessee makes a bowl. Is that kind of where you're standing on them? Yeah, definitely have to have a uh, a winning record and uh, need to show some progress on the field. Hopefully have a one or two, you know, maybe an upset or two in there, but be competitive in all the games and all the SEC games. And then, like I said, make the bowl and then hopefully have a bowl victory to carry us into the offseason momentum and uh, give us, you know, give us the needed momentum to continue into the recruiting season and close with a strong uh, class and then build on that. And then hopefully next year, you know, we, we come out and ready to go in 2020 and maybe that's the year that we start you know becoming more relevant and part of the talk for sec uh championships or at least in the hunt for them well i think y'all got the right coach now are people gonna be patient with him i mean are tennessee fans expecting him to compete for the conference or are they gonna give him time yeah you know, i think he has time i mean everybody he's he's a breath of fresh air for most tennessee fans after uh listening to, to butch jones and his just ridiculousness for for lack of a better word uh, he's a he's a real football coach you can tell it when he talks and uh i think we're we're excited to have him and excited to see where things go with him i uh, brought in a def- new defensive coordinator as well this year Derek ansley uh who you know used to be part of the alabama staff and then actually hired him away from the oakland raiders so excited to see what he can bring along with jim cheney and hopefully those two additions will will help you know us continue our climb back to relevance. Well, you know, I didn't think y'all should have let go of Fulmer, but Kiffin, I think, would have done good there if he'd have stayed. And I bet you if he had to do over again, he wouldn't have left. But then where well, you really messed up is when you went with Dooley and then Jones right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I thought Fulmer had become complacent and I was ready for a change. And, and I think that the change was fine. It's just the the things that happened after the change with obviously Kiffin leaving in the middle of the night right after his first season there and then the panic mode that our AD went into and made just two boneheaded hires in, in Dooley and uh, Butch Jones and really just set our program into a downward spiral. And it's, uh, man, it's taken forever to dig out. I'm just hopeful that we can. Well, if Butch Jones didn't do nothing else, I think he got Fulmer back as the AD. And then, because uh, they were fixing to make another hiring mistake, and Clay Travis got on the radio and had a fit. And then 
next thing you know, you got Philip Fulmer and this guy from Alabama. So I think that all worked out. I think the key for your season at Mississippi State is the Mississippi State-Tennessee game. I think that's going to be a, a big key. And I'm not convinced that our guy has uh, – he couldn't do much last year with our offense. Now, we did beat Ole Miss, and that's all we really care about. So I'm happy with that. But uh, this is going to be a, a big season for Moorhead and your guys. It's both their second season, so it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, no, the the, the BYU and, and Mississippi State game, I think, are the two swing games for Tennessee in a lot of ways. I mean, they're, they're going to carry a, a lot of weight in determining, you know, how we view this year. So, uh, so definitely the state game is a, is, a, uh, is a big game for Tennessee. I think you can compete with Florida. I might be wrong, but uh, – and I'm a big Dan Mullen fan for what he did at Mississippi State. But uh, Florida, if you really look last year, they, they beat Florida State, who didn't care, and then they, they won the bowl game against Michigan, who didn't care. If you, other than that, they weren't as good as they – I don't think they're the eighth best team in the country. If y'all could go down there and upset them, you'll be back on track. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not sold on Florida, other than um, you know, for whatever reason, Florida has Tennessee's number. And even in years where we should have won, we found a way to lose. So that game just scares me as a Tennessee fan. But, but yeah, I definitely don't see Auburn as. I mean, excuse me, Florida as a uh, preseason top ten team, as many have them. I mean, as we all know, you win in the trenches in the SEC, and the Florida program has a weak offensive and defensive line, in my opinion. So, um, you know, it's. Not to say that, that we're strong in those positions either, but but I sure don't give Florida the credit that many of the national pundits do. Well, we're recording this on Saturday morning before Florida Miami play. Y'all know they're playing the week before, and so that's when we're recording it. So I can either make a genius or fool of myself, but I think Miami's going to give Florida a hard time tonight. Now, this thing's not coming out till next Thursday, so we'll know how the game turned out. But I'm not saying Miami will win, but I think they're going to give Florida all they want. So – Daniel, thank you for being with us. I wish Tennessee good luck until you play Mississippi State. I'd lot rather y'all win than Georgia and Alabama and all them other ones. So I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's about time y'all get things turned around up there on Rocky Top. We're hopeful to do that. You need to come up to Knoxville with me for the Mississippi State game, and uh, we'll go celebrate on the strip after we beat you guys. All right. Well, we'll see about that. All right. Appreciate it. Now we're going to preview the Florida State Seminoles with my best buddy from growing up. So he's been wanting to be on one of these podcasts, and the only way I could figure out how to get him in it was to talk about Florida State. So I'm surprised he'd want to talk about them after the season they had last year. So help me welcome my childhood neighbor from the first grade, Kenneth Baggett. Kenneth, tell us what kind of season Florida State's going to have. It's hard to say right now. Uh, you know, you know how pr- – preseason camp is everybody down there is optimistic and they're talking about all the changes they made you know me personally i think we we're somewhere around a seven to five eight and four team but you know maybe we can do a little better than that eight and four florida state who fired jimbo fisher and bobby bowden with all them national championships and now you'd be happy to go eight and four well just remember we didn't fire jimbo he left well he might as well fired him well, I, I don't know that willie tackers gonna make it what do you think you know it's tough to it, it's tough to say. I mean Willie, I, I mean he can't miss another bowl game this year. That's for sure. Um, I think if he goes eight and four, he's proved that he can recruit. Um, right now they're ranked about number eight in the nation in recruiting, coming off in a seven and five season. So that's pretty impressive. But you know, remains to be seen. What's what do you do on the field? I mean, if he goes five and seven or six and six, he's going to lose those recruits. You know, if he winds up going eight and four. Maybe winning a bowl game, then I think everybody's going to jump back on the train and he'll get it rolling again. 
So for the listeners to know, Kenneth drug me off to Florida State, Virginia Tech last year. They played on Labor Day night, and he drug me off. And all the way down to Tallahassee, he convinced me Florida. Willie Taggart had this great team, and Florida State was going to have this great team. We play in a football contest, and uh, we have a little rule called the bonus rule, which means it's your surest win of the week. He convinced me to bonus Florida State. It was no way they were going to lose to Virginia Tech. So off we went down there, and they ended up getting beat, I don't know, 30-7 to 7 or something like that. Couldn't do anything. So I just don't have – this year y'all start with Boise State. I mean, if you lose that game, how bad is the season going to go? Well, first of all, if you remember, we lost 24-3, to 3, Chad, and we had five turnovers. So uh, Three points. Three, than... You scored three points. High-powered offense I told you on the way down there that we couldn't afford to lose any linemen, and we lost two of our starting linemen in the uh, in the first quarter of the ball game. So, you know, that seemed to be the whole tale of the whole season is is no linemen. But uh, playing Boise State, I think it's a uh, it's a good opportunity right off the bat. You know, Boise's a a well known program, and but you know they're also a group of I programs. So the talent's you know not there. They're just well coached team. You know, always going to play hard. So. You know, we can use our speed. I think if we come out and win the first game, it might get it rolling for Whitley. But I'm not too optimistic after watching some of the beatdowns we took last year. So I'm going to have to see it on the field before I jump back on the on the Whitley bandwagon. So if you lose to Boise State, I mean, it could go bad because two weeks later you go to Virginia and everybody's talking about Virginia's going to have a good quarterback and a good defense. Do you think you'll win at Virginia? You know, I think if you win the first game versus boys, it kind of gives some guys confidence because you got Louisiana Monroe the next week, and you roll into Virginia. You know, if you roll in there two and zero, and let's say you win, you know, thirty-one to seventeen to move the ball a little bit, I think you know, I think you win that game at Virginia. However, if you come out and it's the same old, same old, and it's you know, seventeen ten, or let's say you win seventeen fourteen, and the offense is still you know dragging around, then you go up there and you probably get beat. So, I mean, I think, it, you know, it's all about momentum in college football. Then I'm looking. You've got a stretch where you play NC State, then Clemson. We know you can't beat Clemson. Then at Wake Forest, then Syracuse, then Miami, then at Boston College. I mean, you could lose every one of them games. You could go two and four through there. I mean, what will you be happy with? Can you beat Miami? Well, I think if you look at the schedule, if you if, let's say you can beat Boise starting off, you know, then you got Louisiana Monroe at Virginia, then you got NC State and Louisville at home. So that's before you play Clemson. So I think if you can go into that four and one, that gives you some confidence after the Clemson game. You come back with Wake Forest. So if you look in there, you're like, okay, I'm five and two headed down the stretch. You know, I mean. I think the key to this whole season, though, Chad, is really going to be based off the offensive line. Everybody knows it was the worst offensive line in the country last year. The running backs last year, now hear this, the running backs had two yards before contact on the season. Total it up, two yards before contact. Uh, over the last 20 seasons, the, the worst offensive line in the country, Wake Forest, like three years ago, they had 189 yards before contact. So only, you know, you look that up, I mean, that's terrible. That's your running backs, your talent. You know, we have talented running backs, talented receivers. You know, 
they're not even getting a chance because they get hit so hard. So, I mean, this all relies on the offensive line. If they can just go from the worst in the country to heck below average, then you got a chance to win them games. I mean, we about beat Miami last year if it wasn't for a terrible call on a halfback pass, you know, where they called our guy over the line. You know, if not, you know, you win that game. So I think we can play with them. But when we were driving to Tallahassee that day, all you talked about is how Willie Taggart was a running genius. He was going to run for 300 yards, and now you're telling us that you had the worst running team in the history of football. Uh, if you can't, it don't matter what your scheme is if you can't block. That's, and that goes back to this. And that's why I say you can't blame Willie. You can't blame Willie whenever it's that bad. When it's that bad. I mean, nobody's ever been that bad. You know, it's the line. They're terrible. I mean, they were absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, and they got to improve. If you know, they fired the, the offensive line coach uh, and the offensive coordinator. They brought in Kendall Bryles, who brought in his own offensive coordinator, uh, Randy Clemens. I mean, I'm sorry, his own offensive line coach, uh, Randy Clemens. So, you know, Kendall's had a very high success rate everywhere he's been. He, You know, he'll be running the offense. He'll be calling the plays. Uh, so there should be some uh, continuity there. Uh, they also brought in Ron Dugans, who was the wide receiver coach uh, at Miami, played at Florida State back whenever they won the national title in 99. So uh, Willie's not afraid to make changes, that's for sure. Well, while you want to give Willie all this time, i got to remind you, my man Dan Mullen, who I still love, who coached Mississippi State. Some Mississippi State fans are let down with him the way he left us, but I don't blame him for taking a better opportunity. I don't blame him a bit. I'll always support him for what he did at Mississippi State. He went to Florida, and in one season, he's got them ranked number eight. And you end your season at the Florida Gators. What do you think the score of that football game will be? Well, you got to remember, Dan Mullen took over a team with a senior at Layton offensive line, and they had a heck of a lot of turnover luck last year. Um, you know, Dan is a great – he is a great coach. He he struggles recruiting, but he takes the talent that he has and molds them. Uh, right now, it's hard to say. I mean, I think you would have to go with Florida until the Florida State offensive line proves that they can, you know, at least be an average offensive line. So right now, I mean – it's hard to predict that you're going to go in and win at the swamp. So your final prediction for the season is eight and four, seven and five. That's that's what I'm. I mean, you know, I would right now I would predict they finish seven and five with, you know, with my hopes and dreams set on eight and four. You know, if you go seven and five, the program to me is still a little stagnant. Uh, if you go eight and four, you know, you you get a win somewhere there. You maybe not supposed to. Maybe you go win a bowl game you know, over somebody like a South Carolina or something, and, you know, you could finish 9-4. and four. I think that would just set off the recruiting for Willie, uh, which is that's what he's built on is, re is recruiting. All right, and the national championships in New Orleans this year, so we know Florida State won't be in it. So who's your, who's your pick to win the national championship? Oh, it's Clemson. I mean, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is probably the best college quarterback we've ever seen. And coming from a Florida State fan, I mean, with Jameis Winston and Charlie Ward and Chris Winkie. I mean, we've had some good ones that's led us to the title. But, I mean, I think this kid, I mean, he's unbelievable what he's done as a true freshman. I mean, I mean, I think we're talking about Peyton Manning 2.0 right here with, with Trevor Lawrence. So you don't think Alabama can beat him if it's them in Alabama? Um, 
I think it will be them in Alabama, to be honest with you. And I look for a score to be up in the 40s for both teams. I don't think neither one of them will be able to stop the other one. So, you know, it's it's, it's hard to predict right now to see what Clemson, if they reload, they've been bringing in great recruiting classes. We don't know what much they have on defense. But, you know, wait, that's, that's my prediction. Alabama, Clemson score in the 40s. Whoever has it last wins. So for Florida State, if they go eight and four and beat either Florida or Miami, you'll consider it a good season. That's right. Win a bowl game. You know, you never want to go get get blown out in a bowl game. But if you could get in a, you know, a lower tier bowl, I mean, I think that's a that's a good season. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Kenneth Baggett says Florida State's headed to an eight and four season. Kenneth, thank you for being with us. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. And now we're going to fly down to Conference USA and talk about the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. So we got Robert Ingram here with us today, who's the biggest Southern Miss fan I know. He's with Common Sense Economic Development, Arrow Ready Certification. So, Robert, what kind of season do you think the Golden Eagles are going to have? Chad, on paper, we've probably got the best team we've had uh, maybe since 2011. We've got nine starters back on defense and We've got about that many starters back on offense. Our quarterback completed 73% of his passes last year. Defense was top 10 in the country. Quarterback was top 10 in the country on pass completions, but we couldn't run ball last year, just couldn't run it at all. And so people stacked the defense up. They were constantly sending seven people to rush the quarterback and it, uh, we just weren't real successful on offense but we got a new offensive coordinator we got all five of our starters back on the offensive line got all our running backs back got our top two receivers back and got our quarterback back so uh, again on on paper this should be a, a eight or nine win season but uh, unfortunately we don't go by what's on, on <laughs> Paper. What? Uh, where'd your offensive coordinator come from? He came from Arkansas State. Okay, they've always got a good offense. That's probably a probably a good move. When I'm looking at your schedule, you start with Alcorn State, which should be good. Then you go play my team, Mississippi State, and Starville, which I'm glad we're playing again. We went years where we wouldn't play, so I'm glad we're playing again. Then you go to Troy, which that's not a conference game, is it? Uh, Troy is not a conference game. Uh, Got an awful lot of starters back. You know, in the last couple of years, they've beaten both LSU and Nebraska at their places. So they're always tough, and that's one of those make-or-break games for us. For us to win eight or nine ball games, we've got to, to either beat them or we got to beat Mississippi State. Both of them are going to be really hard to to beat. But uh, you know, we we won a lot of those type games in the past, and we'll just we'll see what happens. Then you go to Alabama. So, uh, how long have y'all played Bama since Saban's been there? I know you used to play them all the time. Yeah, we we played them. Uh, you know, we've had good luck beating them over the years. I've seen us beat them several times. So we shut them out twenty-one to nothing one one year. But uh, you know, in recent years, we have not fared well against them. They're just so doggone good on on both sides of the ball, so deep and. You know, if we get some injuries or when we have to substitute, our, our depth certainly won't be able to compare with Alabama or Mississippi State for that for that matter. But uh, 
but I think uh, I think the state game will be real competitive. I don't know about Alabama, but we won't back down from them. Then you start your conference schedule. I can't ever remember who's in what division in Conference USA. So who's kind of your key? Who's your key conference teams you got to beat if you're going to win your conference? You know, in, in the we're in the West and North Texas and UAB and Louisiana Tech will be the three best teams along with us. A lot of people are picking us to come in second in the West. Nobody's picking us to come in first, but I think we've got a, a shot to do it. We catch North Texas at home, and, you know, I believe they're the best team in the conference. If, you, if we can beat them at home, I think we've got a chance to have a real good season. My nephew's going to Louisiana Tech now to be a pilot. He's in Ruston. So I was up there this week and, and, and uh, looked through there. So they've usually got a good football team. you got to go there. They had a tornado come right through their campus. I don't think it hurts the football field, but you ought to have seen what it did to the baseball and the softball fields and all. And I noticed you're playing a lot of games on the NFL Network, so that's good. Most of your games will be on TV. I didn't know Conference USA had a deal with them. Uh, they just signed that contract this year. It's a multi-year contract, and I think we've got more games on there than anybody does. And uh, we've got 60-something million subscribers on cable to that channel, so uh, it'll give real good coverage around the country. All right. Well, what what do you predict your record to be at the end of the year? If we beat Troy, I think we'll win either eight or nine ball games. If we lose to them, we're probably a, a seven-win team it, it just depends uh you know if we can run the ball this year and give the quarterback some time to throw the ball uh, uh, we'll be pretty explosive on offense and the defense is going to be able to compete with most anybody on the schedule they were they were top 10 defense last year and they got nine starters coming coming back so uh well we should be pretty good on the defensive side of the ball all right. Well, I know one of your bowl tie-ins is the New Orleans Bowl, and Southern Miss always brings a lot of folks down here. So so maybe y'all be good and get in that bowl or an even better one if you win your conference. Yeah, we've, uh, we've been known to bring as many as 15,000 people to New Orleans for that, for that bowl, and uh, depending on who we're playing, but it's always at least 10,000. And we love to go to New Orleans. We love to come down there for the food and the partying and the, the bowl game all. And it's a short trip from uh, Hattiesburg and for most of our fans. So that's a good one. But uh, we just look forward to getting back in a bowl this year and playing somebody and representing the conference and, uh, and continuing to grow as a program. And for any of the folks out there that hadn't been to a game at Southern Miss lately, they have enclosed their end zone and built all these great suites. Robert, when did they do that? When did they do that stadium expansion? If you hadn't been there in the last five or six years, you probably wouldn't hardly recognize the place. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly. It was eight to ten years ago. But, yeah, there's like 28 suites, and they got premium seating, club-type seating below them where, got the air conditioned area with the special concessions and all that, that that you can use if you're not in a suite it's it's a great place to watch a ball game there's not a bad seat in that stadium i don't really like to be on the the upper part of it i'm not real big on height and uh that's a little high for me but uh, uh all the seats are good and they're very reasonable price got great family plans that type thing got a new family zone that's gonna have special activities during the game for kids and all that. So they're marketing real hard, and hopefully we'll build our attendance uh, up to, to what we're used to. It's been down the last few years, uh, 
But I think the program's coming back. I think the next two years will be solid and win a lot of football games. It'll be exciting to watch. All right, Robert, thanks for spending a few minutes with us today and previewing Southern Miss. Thank you, Chad. Uh, look forward to, to hearing the podcast, and always great to talk to you. All right. I love, I love your Cardinals, Cap. <laughs> I grew up with the Cardinals on radio. We, I'm so old. We didn't get many games on TV. We sat out in the backyard and listened to the Cardinals on the, on the radio every night growing up. So I've been a Cardinals fan since I was a kid. Well, they're on a winning streak now. They, they've not been in first place all year. Of course, we're, we're recording this in late July, and we're going to release it in August, so they may be in last place by then. But, but they, right now they've won a whole bunch of ball games in a row, and they're in first place. So, so I got my hat on proudly. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here and talk about Southern Miss football. All right, now we're going to preview the Georgia Bulldogs with my friend Merv Waldrop. He's the county administrator in Burke County, Georgia, and the biggest Georgia fan I know. So, uh, Merv, tell us a little bit there about Burke County, Georgia, the good stuff going on. Yeah, good morning, Chad. Welcome from Waynesboro, Georgia, bird dog capital of the world. Uh, Burke County's got a lot of good things going on. We are um, uh, got the largest construction project going on in the country right now with Plant Vogel. It is an expansion of a uh, nuclear power plant. We already have two units. They're adding two more um, units at our nuclear plant. So we've got about 7,000 construction workers here every day in Burke County working, building that new plant. And when he says it's a big project, he's right. We just did an executive search for Burke County. I'm actually from Waynesboro, Mississippi, so we pick on each other. I get to, yeah. I get to watch the tornadoes go from Waynesboro, Mississippi to Waynesboro, Georgia. That's right. We're on the same track. Well, Merv, I know you were down here at the Sugar Bowl when Georgia made it, so why don't you tell us what kind of season you think y'all going to have? I think we'll have a little better one than last year. Um, we'll, Georgia's got a tough schedule. We've got to play Notre Dame this year. we got Texas A&M, uh, then, and we got to play Auburn on the road as, as well as all our East opponents. And you so, start with Vanderbilt. You don't usually start with a conference game. No, we've got you a conference about game right off the bat. In Nashville on a Saturday night, we'll have three-fourths of the stadium up there, I believe. I but bet our, you'll be it'll there. It'll be like a home game at a party, yeah. I, I bet you'll be there that night if oh, I had I'll be to. There. I've already made tailgate plans over there near the Parthenon. So you right. go from Vanderbilt, then you got Murray State, yeah, and Arkansas State, then Notre Dame. So really, yeah. you, after Vanderbilt, you got a couple tune-ups for Notre Dame. Right. Notre Dame's coming to Athens, looks like. Yeah, the first time the Irish have ever been to Athens. Then so you go to then you go to oh oh they never been to Athens what what They've was never it been two, to Athens two or three really, this would be the third time we played them uh, we played them in 1980 in the Sugar Bowl for the national title yep. uh, we played them two years ago in South Bend and that was an incredible atmosphere. They showed us great hospitality. We've got to return that hospitality when they come back south. That was the game that really put Kirby on the map, I thought. Y'all went up to South yeah. Bend as an underdog and beat them and ended up playing for the national championship. That's right. Then you go to Tennessee after Notre Dame, and Tennessee hired your offensive coordinator, which I thought yeah. was a weird deal because he used to be at Tennessee, and they ran him off, and I guess, yeah. I guess he made a, a better name for himself at Georgia. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, Pruitt, if he can't recruit players, at least he can recruit uh, good coaches. How long has it been since Tennessee beat y'all? 
Oh, they beat us uh, in Athens in 16, Kirby's first year. So this is be uh, we've got a, a two-year winning streak on them. Uh, that's right. That's the day they threw that Hail Mary one. That I remember. That's right. That. I remember that. Well, yeah. you you missed my team this year, Mississippi State. So that's uh, we got I'm lucky. Not, I'm not sure how good we're gonna be. So that might be good for you. Is your quarterback coming back? I know you've had yeah, you've had so many quarterbacks that they've all you've got five stars playing all over the country now. Yeah. So which one you still got? Jake Frum is our quarterback. He he made his first start as a you know backup when Jacob Eason got hurt, and he his first start was at Notre Dame. We were worried about him, but we hadn't been worried since. He's <laughs> done a great job for us. Uh, has made two five star quarterbacks quit Georgia. Which so uh, he's done his job. That's right. That's right. Well, the the key question is, uh, you're probably gonna win the East again. Everybody would assume. So, do you think this is your year to beat Alabama if you see them in Atlanta? I I hope so. I keep hoping, and I think you know, Kirby's gonna figure it out. And I, I'm hoping that if that the first uh, assistant to to come back and beat Saban is going to be Kirby, and I hope he does in Atlanta this year. Well, we got the national championship in New Orleans this year. So oh yeah, maybe I'm you can look at, I've been looking for rooms. <laughs> I got. I don't, one. Want, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. We got to get to Atlanta first. I understand. All right. Well, so what if, if you had to predict the record? What do you think? What do you think Georgia's going to go this year? I would think eleven and one would probably stumble at Auburn. I, that's my one I'm worried about. Uh, since Kirby's been been in Athens, we lose a road game in the West every year, whether it was Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU last year, and we got to go play at Auburn again this year. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at your schedules. Where I thought you always played Auburn, kind of at the end, and then Georgia Tech. But this year, you got Texas A&M in there between yeah. Auburn and Georgia Tech, which I don't remember Georgia playing a game like that. Uh, that, yeah, that, we would normally have a little easier game between Auburn and Tech. Uh, or in the old days, we would play uh, Florida, Auburn, and Georgia Tech as our last three games of the year. And uh, th that was a murderer's row right there, especially back when Tech had a little better team. Um, I don't like having to play A&M right after Auburn, and we were probably going to be beat up. But A&M's got a worse schedule than we've got. Lot tougher, so they may be injured by the time they limp into Athens. Yeah, I'm looking here. You go from Kentucky, who was good last year. I'm not sure what right. kind of team they're going. Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, who can score at Auburn, A and E. That's a rough yeah. patch right there. So. Yeah, but we if you get through there only losing one, you'll probably you'll probably be in Atlanta playing That's Alabama or Auburn. Yep, and uh, either one would be be fine. They they bring a good crowd, good group to tailgate with. All right. What's the best Georgia game you've ever attended? Oh, wow. That uh, – Because, folks, this man goes to ever, ever game. So you so many of them. Probably <laughs> the best one ever was the four-overtime game at Auburn. We had – it was the first overtime game in the SEC, and nobody knew what was going on. We just knew that uh, if we end up getting to – tying it up, we'll go do some kind of overtime. We got down 21 to three in the first quarter and came back and scored a touchdown on the very last play of the game in regulation. And uh, that threw it into overtime. That was the, the year Ugga uh, got all over Robert Baker. Oh, he, 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 <laughs> yeah. They say Ugga had been doing some training with Athens PD as drug dog. 
and uh, he kind of detected something on, on Baker. So. All right. Well, Murph, thank you for being with us today, and good luck right. to the dogs. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Good luck to your dogs as well. Now we're going to preview the Auburn Tigers with Justin Baxter. And Justin is a two-time bragging rights champion. Our football contest we started. And one time he beat me literally on a Hail Mary. Nick Saban's last game at LSU, Iowa, through an 80-yard Hail Mary. Saban didn't care because he was headed to the NFL. And I've hated him ever since, Saban and Justin. So, Justin, uh, with that being said, <laughs> welcome to my program. Thank you for having me on, Chad. I appreciate it, buddy. And, uh, the feeling's mutual there, my pal. <laughs> I remember where I was sitting the day they threw that Hail Mary. I won't never forget it. But, Justin, tell us about the Auburn Tigers this season. Uh, well, um, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about this year um, once you get past all the things to be pessimistic about. Uh, <laughs> you got a, a coach that's been there for seven years, and he's had his ups and downs, and uh a lot of people say he's on the hot seat. He's a uh, university's on the hook for a lot of money for him. Um, then you got the second hardest schedule in the country, uh, starting out with a team that a lot of people are picking to win the Pac-12 uh, in the Oregon Ducks. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Well, and uh, I read Malzahn's taking over the play calling, right? He called the plays in the bowl game, and y'all scored like 50 points in the first half, so he took over the play calling. Yeah, he uh, something he did uh, pretty much his whole career except for the last three seasons for whatever reason. And um, I guess he decided that him not calling the plays wasn't working or wasn't satisfying the fan base enough, so he decided he wanted to go back to what he was most comfortable with. And um, he hired a uh, quote-unquote offensive coordinator that's going to sit in the booth and uh, I guess analyze film while he's down there on the field telling the offense what to do. Well, that's what he's best at, and that's when y'all had your best teams. And did I read you going to start a freshman quarterback? We're going to start a legacy freshman quarterback, young man by the name of Bo Nix. Uh, came out of Pinson Valley High School in Alabama last year, set uh, just about every passing record in uh, the state of Alabama high school football. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of optimism about him and – of course, uh, a lot of folks remember his dad, Pat Nix, and what he did for the Tigers. So uh, he's got big shoes to fill and a big shadow that he's standing underneath. But uh, we'll see if he can come out from behind it. All right, so I got your schedule pulled up here. So you play Oregon the first day, which is going to be a tough game. And that's one of those. Is that in Houston or Dallas, or where are y'all playing them? Jerry World, Dallas, Texas, home of the Cowboys. Y'all need to win that game because Auburn fans, and one thing about you now, if y'all start losing, you get down on them quick. So, so you need to win that ball game. I'm going I'm to correct you there. Uh, Auburn fans are always down on Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> so you play Oregon, who's supposed to have a great quarterback, but your defensive line, you should have a chance. Then you get Tulane and Kent State, so, you know, you get your feet under you. And then – you go to Texas A&M. Do you think you can win at Texas A&M? i tell you a uh, um, kind of funny um, statistic about that game. Ever since Texas A&M had joined the SEC, the road team has won that game every time they've played. Is that right? That is correct. Well, after you play A&M, you get Mississippi State at home. Now, as you know, I'm a Mississippi State fan, and if I recall, we beat Auburn pretty good last year in Starkville. So I'm sure that – 
I'm sure that came as a shock to you. Uh, uh, what do you think the score will be this year when we when we come to Auburn? Oh, uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's uh, let's just go one game at a time here and see see how we come out against Oregon before we start predicting scores on down the road. You're uh, starting to talk like a coach more than a fan. <laughs> I'm an Auburn fan, man. We we are always cautiously optimistic, and uh, I mean the defensive line this year should be if not the one of the best in the in the country just putting that out there uh we bring back five seniors on the offensive line uh we bring back two pretty experienced running backs uh we've got a lot of depth at wide receiver and a lot of speed at wide receiver so you know if we can control that that battle of the trenches and that's something that you know any sec game but particularly games against mississippi state if it, it comes down to who wins the line of scrimmage and if our seniors up front on offensive line and our defensive line can uh, can do that, I, I think we can probably come away with a win there. But you know that's why they lace them up and play on Saturdays. So, so this quarterback you're starting, most of my listeners have have never seen him. Is he a runner? I mean, can he run that spread that Gus likes to run, or is he more of a passer? He was listed as the uh, number two dual threat quarterback prospect in the nation last year, coming out of high school. Well, that's what Gus has to have. And as good as the quarterback was last year, he really didn't bring that dynamic to Gus's offense. No, Stidham is a prototypical pro passer, and I guess a lot of people are seeing that so far in the preseason uh, with the Patriots. He's He's been up there doing his thing with them. But, um, I mean, you know, you start a freshman quarterback, there's always questions. You know, wh- where the experience comes in and, you know, can he handle the big pressure and the big game scenarios. But uh, I'm telling you, man, this kid – if you haven't if you haven't seen any of his highlights, just look up Bo Nix and, and watch um, watch what he did in high school. Well, Clemson proved last year a freshman could come in and dominate. So I mean, there's no Absolutely. reason to think he can. And I, I'm looking here at your schedule. You really you draw the two toughest teams from the East. I mean, that's a bad considering how hard the West is. I'm looking at your schedule. You got to go to Florida, and of course, you always play Georgia. That's right. So those are the two hardest teams from the East, and, and so the. The fact you're playing the two hardest from the East and Oregon out of conference, man, this is a tough schedule. Yeah, and then, you know, play Bama every year, play LSU every year, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, Arkansas should be a little bit better. So, yeah, it's it's a tough schedule, no doubt about it. It's a, a very daunting schedule. Um yeah, you got you got you got three games in a row at Florida, at Arkansas. Arkansas is not very good, so you ought to win that. But then at LSU, and then you end with Georgia, Sanford, and Alabama. And so, uh, talk about the Alabama game. I don't care how good they are. I mean, by then your your freshman quarterback is going to basically be a sophomore. He's going to have the whole the whole season under him. And Alabama struggles against dual threat quarterbacks. So I'm sure Gus has that in mind. And Auburn beat them the last time they played in Auburn. So Auburn's not scared of Alabama. I mean, what do you think your chances are sitting here in August? I mean, do you think you can beat Alabama this year or not? (laughs) It remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, you always go into that game knowing that you throw the record books out. You know, it, it's more than a game. It's more than, than just your average football game. It's, you know, state rivalries. You've got players who played with each other in peewee and junior high and high school that are now playing against each other. You've got players who have played against each other their whole entire careers, and they're playing against each other again. And it's a matter of state pride. And, uh, you know, 
Alabama and Auburn fans alike, you know, take a lot, um, a lot of pride in who can win that game in November. Um, normally, when we go into that game, especially in the years that since Saban has been at Alabama, um, you know, we we fared fairly well against them. I think we fared better against them than than any other teams that have have played against them. I think we've beat them more times than than anybody else has been able to beat him. So. Uh, you know, there's always a chance and there's always hope there. Um, you know, it's, it's a long season. It's a long ways between now and then. We got to see how injuries take a toll. We got to see how the uh, the lines hold up, and got to see how the freshman quarterback performs. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you always go into the season thinking that you can win. Um, just you know, hopefully that comes to fruition. Maybe maybe we will. Uh, but I guarantee you. All them boys be out there ready to play that day, and and they'll leave it all on the field for sure. Well, you know, my brother's a big Alabama fan, therefore I root for Auburn uh, just to give him trouble. So I will be rooting for Auburn. I've been to two Iron Bowls in my life, and Auburn won both of them. So maybe y'all ought to pay me to go every year. Uh, but uh, one, uh, one year was see in, if I can find a ticket, and I will get you there. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> one year was in Tuscaloosa. It was Dennis Francione's last game. And we went, and uh, and Alabama was like a 13-point favorite. I mean, didn't anybody think Auburn could beat them? And Auburn whipped them. I mean, they beat them from the start of the ball game. And uh, and then I went, I think it was Saban's first year. I went to the ball game in Auburn, and that was a Saban lost to y'all his first year. That's when Tuberville had won seven or eight in a row against Alabama. And uh, so both the times I went, uh, y'all ended up winning. So, all right, what is a good season? Going in with a freshman quarterback, I mean, what, what does Auburn have to do for you to consider it a good season and you to be happy with Gus when all this is over? I mean, would 9-3 and three make you happy with him? 10-2, and two, uh, what does it look like? I mean, being being a realist and being realistic about it, yeah, I mean, you think nine wins would, I mean, given the schedule that we've got to play against, uh, nine wins would... would satisfy me i can't say that it will for everybody else in the fan base but uh i mean more realistically i'm thinking eight uh, just being honest and 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 looking where we've got to go and where we've got to play at but um uh, you know danny sheridan uh who makes odds heard him on fine bomb the other day so that he was betting a lot on auburn to win 10 or more this year uh Woo, 10 you got Georgia, Alabama, at Florida, and Oregon. Ooh, hey, that's that's coming from the mouth of Danny Sheridan. That's the man that uh that lays the odds there for everybody else to bet on. So uh, if I offered you eight right now with a victory over Alabama, I bet you would take it. Absolutely, one hundred percent to the bank every day of the week. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to Auburn this year. Uh, I'll be rooting for you at least twice when you play Alabama and when you play the Ole Miss Rebels. I'll be rooting for those Auburn Tigers. Well, there you go. I'll be rooting for y'all at least once when y'all play uh, Bama for sure. And, and uh, I will say, while well, you've won two bragging rights championships, uh, you hadn't beat me very many times since that Hail Mary back then. So uh, it's about time for you to for you to beat old Chad. Well, you know that's uh that's, that's in my thoughts, and uh, been doing a good bit of studying here. So we'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, All right. Well, I'll see you come kick off. All right, buddy. Thank you.
right, now we're going to preview the Memphis Tigers, or I, I still call them Memphis State, and I knew that our, I know that our guest does too. With Kay Brockwell, and Kay owns a company called Future Focus Economic Development. We do a lot of work with Kay on community economic development work, and Kay is a proud Memphis State graduate. So, Kay, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, Chad. Always great to talk about the Tigers. All right, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about Memphis this season. What kind of season you think they might have? You know, everything is in place for Memphis to really put all the pieces together this year. Now, they've averaged, they've won better than eight games a year for the last three years. This is Mike Norville's fourth year as head coach, so he's got all his people, he's got his system in place. They lost a top-notch running back to graduation but they've got Brady White back at quarterback, and he was a blue chipper, transferred in from Arizona State. And they've got a uh, first-class running back in Patrick Taylor, who didn't get a lot of attention last year because he was was after uh, he was Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard got all the attention last year. But Taylor ran for 1,100 yards last year, so he's you know the what the depth. You know, what the freshmen and sophomores that are coming up this year, sophomores and juniors, do and, and to fill in is going to be a key to their offense. Defensively, they ought to be good. Um, they were a real young defense last year, a lot of sophomores and juniors. That, of course, this year are juniors and seniors. They ought to be stout. Defense was a weak point last year. So we'll see. Well, that quarterback's good. I watched them play somebody last year. I can't remember... They played UCLA one year, uh, maybe it wasn't UCLA. They beat a big team here a year or two ago, and then they almost won the mm-hmm. conference. I watched them. That quarterback's good. Well, I know you start with Ole Miss, and I, I don't remember Memphis playing. You know, y'all used to play every year, and I don't remember them playing them lately, and I know that the Memphis fans will be excited for that one, and Memphis is actually a favorite in the ball game. So talk a little bit about that game. Memphis favored by six. Um, I think it's going to be a track meet. Uh, it may well be a whoever has the ball last wins because Ole Miss had an awful defense last year, did last in the SEC. Memphis State's defense was young. They're all back. But both of them have got or promised to have pretty high-powered offenses. It ought to be a good game. Memphis typically will play at the top of its game when it's playing close-by rivals. I started to say in-state rivals, but Memphis almost always treats Ole Miss like it's in-state anyway. But the Tigers have always played over their head when they played Ole Miss or Tennessee either one. And, and that game's in Memphis, isn't it? Isn't that at the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, I'm looking at the Bowl. 11 o'clock Saturday, so this podcast is going to air Thursday. It's going to be hot. That's one of the hottest. I went to a ball game there one year. That can be one of the hottest places in the world. Oh, man, it is. But uh, at least the temperature is supposed to be a little cooler this week, which is a good thing since my air conditioner just went out today. Boy, I'd say it is. Well, when they play Ole Miss, do they, does uh, does Memphis still have 75% of the fans? Because I know there's a whole bunch of Ole Miss fans in Memphis. What will the stadium look like? Will it be more blue or red? It'll be about half and half. All right. It'll be about half and half because <sighs> – Memphis has a lot more football loyalists than it had when I was in school there. Now, you got to realize when I went to Memphis State, 
we won six games in four years. So it's still something of a novelty to me to have a winning team. Um, football was something that we used to wait through until it got to be basketball season. Well, but there's I think a lot of old Miss loyalty. I think your basketball team's back on the right track now. You've got a good coach oh, now. Man. Oh, man, and, and a blue-chip recruit class. I hadn't seen that, but I know I know they got Hardaway coaching them. And, uh, of course, you know i got all these Kentucky fans that listen to us, and they just think Calipari's something. But, really, after he left Memphis, Memphis was down for a while. Well, they've got uh, two recruits that had – one that had verbally committed to Kentucky that uh, de-recruited or obligated, whatever you call it, um, verbally committed to, to – Kentucky that decommitted, and then uh, Wiseman, who is the top prospect in the country, East High grad that played for Penny Hardaway in AAU ball, um, is was thought to be going to Kentucky, although he had never said so. But he's staying home, going to Memphis. So they're gonna be tough. Well, I tell you, back on the football, your coach is really good. I, th- I think he's a good coach, and uh, he's been there a while. I'm glad to see Memphis has kept him for a while. And uh, so I yeah. think they're going to be pretty good. You predict they'll make a bowl game this season? Ought to. I mean, they've done that the last three years. They, they ought to do it this year. Um, right. It's going to be interesting to see what the offense does with this new offensive coordinator, though. And before we get off here, we've got to talk a little about the St. Louis Cardinals. I know this is a football show, but uh, we're sitting here. We're recording this pretty close to when it airs. So right now, Cardinals are in first place. I think they've won seven or eight of their last ten. They're a half game ahead of the Cubs. So you think that, that that guy last night, Flaherty, he is just pitching. Every time I watch him, he's pitching a shutout. I wish they could all pitch that well. Flaherty's looking good. Uh, Michaelis has pitched some good ball games. Of course, you know, Wainwright's a, a – favorite and Wainwright's been up and down but just having Wainwright's maturity in there kind of bring those young ones along is is great Walker has pitched a couple of good games lately so I hate to say anything I mean you know I'm afraid we're going to jinx them every time I say something good about them seems like they lose well but what if they make the playoffs they have shown it doesn't matter if they come out of the wild card or what they can go all the way it's just a winning they're hard to beat at Bush they're hard to beat at Bush Stadium that they are that they are all right well kate thank you for being with us today and and uh, talking about memphis and you know i went to mississippi state so i never root for Ole miss so i will be rooting just as hard as i can for the memphis tigers next saturday afternoon go tigers go all right thank you All right, now we're going to preview the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama's probably the state we do our most business, so we had to search and really think about who would be our best possible guest. And most of you probably would have no idea my brother is the biggest Alabama fan I know. So I'm Roll glad, Tide! I'm glad to have Craig Chancellor with us here today to preview Alabama season. And uh, they need to do a little better than last year. Clemson didn't have much trouble with them at the end. So, Craig, why don't you start out with giving these folks a history lesson on the origin of the Crimson Tide. Well, the legend would say that in 1907, during the Iron Bowl game, as you would know with Auburn, that uh, the person that was describing the events on the field described it as a sea of mud in Birmingham. 
Auburn was heavily favored. Of course, that was probably the first and the last time they've been ever heavily favored against <laughs> Alabama. And it resulted in a 6-6 tie, and that was the only time ever in the series that it was a 6-6 tie. Hugh Roberts from the Birmingham Age Herald said it was a line of Alabama and red clay mud as a crimson tide that washed across the field. After that game, for 40 years, because of the controversy of the game, whether it was officiating, whether it was the fights that took place, or because of where it was located, uh, there was no game between Alabama and Auburn during that time. Finally, the Alabama legislature mandated in 1948 that Auburn and Alabama would have to uh, have play. As a result of that, both presidents of the university buried a hatchet to symbolize the end of the standoff between the two schools. Well, you being such an Alabama historian, uh, what is the origin of the elephant? Well, there's two controversial thoughts on that one. The first one, Everett Strupper wrote in the Alabama-Mississippi or Ole Miss game. So now we have an Auburn influence and now we have an Ole Miss influence. That the Alabama team of 1930 was a typical Wade machine. It was very powerful, big, tough, fast, and aggressive, well-skilled in fundamentals, and the best blocking team for the early uh, in the season that they had ever seen. And when these big brutes hit you, I mean, they go down and stay down often for an additional two minutes, end of quote. They later became the national champions in 1930 and was 10-0. And as a result of that game, it was written, the Red Elephants rolled over Washington State 24 to nothing in the Rose Bowl. At this game, there was some excited fan that was out there that said, hold your horses, the elephants are coming. And in in 1975, finally, they broke down Bear Bryant enough that he allowed Big Al, the first elephant mascot, to ever be on the team. The second thought was that this guy named Rosenberger was a Birmingham trunk store owner, and of course that was a suitcase owner, who provided each player a complimentary suitcase from cross-country trip to the Rose Bowl. And each suitcase had the red Rosenberger elephant logo on it. The larger cases, of course, at that time were called trunks. It was reported uh, by those guys at that time that obviously the elephant was the mascot because it had uh, Rosenberger's elephant symbol on the trunk. And that was written by Atlanta journalist Grantland Rice. Shortly thereafter, elephants began showing up on campus. And in 1947, mm. another rivalry, Alabama LSU, the homecoming queen, officially rode the first elephant. The homecoming queen. Yes, uh -huh. I think it was a day or two actually after the game. All right, now one of my business partners is a Clemson Tiger, so he's on here previewing Clemson, and uh, they didn't have much trouble with your defense last year. So uh, how's that defense going to be this season? Well, we've lost some key key players. Quinnen Williams went to the NFL. Isaiah Bugs was defensive tackle. Mac Wilson was middle linebacker. We lost Christian Miller and Deontay Thompson uh, in the secondary. So we've got some pretty good gaps there. Returning for defensive line is Raquan Davis. Uh, I think he'll be solid. Uh, the watch-out kid, at least on the street here, is LeBron Ray. Outside linebacker is Anthony Jennings. He's returning. Dylan Moses is returning. Inside linebacker will be McMillan and Lewis. Our cornerbacks uh, back again will be Diggs and Sertan II. Uh, we'll have new free safety and strong safety. So I think early on the communication in the backfield is going to be a key and that'll give us a little time for these guys to kind of work together. Saban's always got a good secondary. What about the offense? 
Key losses there. Um, offensive line is where I think is going to be our weak spot. Uh, we lost Jonah Williams, Lester Cotton, uh, Pishbacker, Irv Smith, the tight end we lost, running back Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs. So uh, this is an area I think that's uh, that's going to be uh, crucial for us. Of course, returning is, is Tua. Can't forget, uh, even though he's probably third, fourth string, Coach Bear Bryant's grandson, Paul Dyson, we all always have to give a call out to that group. In the backfield, I think uh, Najee Harris will return and will give us some good time. we got some young guys, Brian Robinson and, and, and Trey Sanders will be getting a lot of quality time. Trey Sanders, I think, is a guy to watch here in the next year or two. At wide receiver, I think, is our, uh, our strength of our team. Uh, we have Judy uh, Ruggs III, uh, Deontay uh, Spith. Uh, all coming back along with Jalen Waddle. So if we can get it up in the air, then I think that uh, we'll be okay. The issue, I think, with Tua, and you keep mentioning about Clemson, and I think that that really exposed us, and uh, Alabama Nation is probably going to hate me for this, but Tua has got an excellent long game. But his mid-range game is something that I think he overlooks a lot, and he's always looking, it looks to me, like for the deep ball. He's got great vision, but the safeties killed us against um, Clemson in that they were hiding their coverage and they knew that he was going to go to the center of the field or to the deep ball more than he go underneath. And if you kind of look back at the film from last year, we had running backs that were uh, open in the, uh, in the 10 range. Uh, our, our tight end was open uh, about 10 to 15 yards down the middle. So I think the short-range game, uh, if people play us deep, then Tua has got to get a little better at his short-range game in order for us to be competitive uh, with these big teams. All right, what about your special teams? Alabama always misses field goals. I've never understood why Saban can't get a great kicker. So what about that? Well, I'm going to tell you about special teams. We'll be quiet for about five minutes. <laughs> Alabama does not have a good special teams can we go on to the next right, subject? Let's go on to the next. Let's go through your schedule, your play. I know you're starting with Duke. I mean, you know, uh, Alabama can't find a better starting game than Duke to warm up. Well, you know, Cutliff has been pretty good for the for the several years and been making Duke a big program and stuff. And you know, he's wanting to shine on the spotlight, and we'll be at a neutral site. So, I mean, it's going to be close early. Um, it'll be uh, probably zero zero for about two or three minutes in the game, and <laughs> and then I expect we'll probably pull it out forty two to fourteen before it's over. Forty two to fourteen. Then who do you play? Well, we've got a real juggernaut there, uh, New Mexico State. Oh, that'll test it, you. It it's going to be a test of wheels <laughs> on that one. I kind of have us going up maybe fifty six to ten in that one. And who you got then? Muschamp in South Carolina. Oh, you finally might get stuck. Yeah, up be our be oh, you got to go there. Be our, to no, place. it's our first road game. Okay, yeah. And um, I, I think they'll test us, and it'll be probably thirty eight to sixteen in that game. All right. Then who do you have? Ole Miss, uh, and we're yeah, playing down this year. Well, they tell everybody that every year, and. Um, you know, they put a team on the field, and that's about all I can say about mm -hmm. Ole Miss. 52-21. Uh, and I think by this time, our offensive line will be beginning to gel. It's going to take us about three games. And we're really going to have to prove something, I think, against Ole Miss. So that's the reason why I think that we'll really come to play in that game. So, 52-21. And then we have an off week, um, our first off week. Then where do you go? 
We go to Texas A&M, and I think so that'll be first real game. I man. think that'll be our first real challenge, um, and I think before it's over with, Texas A&M is going to be uh, like an LSU to us as far as a uh, competition in the West. Uh, I still think that they're finding their um, their footing and their personality with their coach, and they're probably still about two or three years away. Hard to beat the twelfth man there, but uh, 42-28. Alabama. What do you think you're gonna score forty-two at Texas A&M? You know, with two, uh, we haven't scored hardly any less than thirty-five in any game. So I think well, probably uh, they they still don't have a good defensive line at Texas A&M. Their linebackers are pretty good, but their secondary with our receivers, I think we'll run past them most of the night. All right, so then who you have? Tennessee at home, and I think this will be the surprise of the of the conference. Tennessee, as the as the year went along, got a little better and a little better uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, I think they have the right formula. They've got a good coach. Uh, you know, of course, he is an alumni of Alabama. So I picked 42-28 uh, in that one, and that will be our closest game so far this season other than the South Carolina game. But I think their defense uh, will probably give us a little bit of trouble. They're quick. All right. And then you got LSU? Or, uh... We have Arkansas. Oh, they're really dialed. They yeah. Really... You know, I thought we'd probably play our second team against them most of the game. So <laughs> I only have us beating them 42-24. to 24. Yeah, Saban likes a close one there to motivate his well, team. Well, particularly since we got an off week coming on, he's got to have a little something to really gripe about and complain about. I'm sure about that time the reporters are going to be talking about how they're the greatest mm-hmm. team ever and, you know, are they going to lose a game. And, and he'll talk about, you know, the process and, and everything that we have to do with that. All right. Then who you got? Then we have LSU at home. In Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they you up there. I don't think so, and I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be a field goal game. LSU last year I thought was a very good team. They just did not have a lot of depth. And I, and I think that's the key is that Ogeron will have to get a little bit of depth at his positions. Otherwise, his teams are not going to be hold, able to hold up in the, in the second half um, against the better club. So I have us 45-21 against LSU. That's probably a little high on the offensive side, but I think that Saban probably will have a point to prove after such a dismal game against Arkansas. Well, uh, Orgeron's going to have to beat Alabama. They're down here talking. Uh, I mean, they're happy with him, but he can't continue losing to Alabama. So then who you got? I got us playing uh, <clears throat> the college from North Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State. Oh, now we'll test you. Where at? Where are we playing this Playing year? at Mississippi State. Oh, yeah, the Cowbells get you. We should have beat you two years ago at Mississippi State. Yeah, that was a very good defensive yeah. team that you had at that we time. We should have beat you then. But I don't, I'm not big on our coach yet. He hasn't proved anything to me. No, I think well, he's – This is a good year. For, we'll see. He's in a tough division. I've got us winning 88 to nothing in that 80, game. 88 to nothing. <laughs> We'll get a field goal. Uh, no, honestly, uh, I've got us at 38-10 to 10 in that game at Mississippi State. All right, then who? West Carolina, the powerhouse oh, of the you, Carolinas. Oh, you play Auburn, you play West Carolina. Well, I think this is going to be a test because this will be one of those looking to the games against Auburn. And Saban typically does not like those games. So but he keeps putting them there. But, but Well, he puts them there because these colleges <laughs> – have to make at least a million to keep their program surviving. So I think that Alabama really helps a lot of programs throughout the United uh-huh. States. We're a very giving university. And for West Carolina, then we're going to give them a beating as well, 48-7. to seven. All right. And then the Auburn tie, where you play Auburn? We play at Auburn. Oh, they usually beat you over there. Well, it's always tough. Auburn is always a homeschool favorite. But I've got us beating them 92 to nothing. Um, I don't think – 
you know, it'll be like the LSU team that year where they barely crossed the 50-yard line if they do. Right. Um, so, but in reality, I've got it a little closer than that, probably 38-28. So then if you win all those games, you get to probably see Georgia in Atlanta. And, you know, they're getting close to you. They should have beat you one of these games. Are you getting nervous about them yet? I, I am. I think that uh, Smart has got the right program. Uh, he's got the right mentality. He's got – he has depth. He's got a good quarterback. They're going to always have great running backs at Georgia. The one thing that I think they're missing at Georgia is probably uh, good middle linebackers. I think their secondary is getting better. Georgia is a team that I ever said that if they uh, if they ever win one or two games against us, then uh, Saban will probably retire because I just don't think he would be able to tolerate uh, not only losing to Auburn, but losing to Kirby Smart, one of his um, projects. So then if you beat Georgia, you're going to be in the college football playoff, which means most likely you end your season in New Orleans in the championship against Clemson again. So so how in the world are you going to stop Clemson this time? Well, Clemson played us man-to-man with uh, double safety coverage. So I think you have to be patient with Clemson. It, it, we have to get back to the old days where it was three yards in a cloud of dust. We could have uh, run the ball, I think, Mm -hmm. very consistently against Clemson last year. And somewhere along uh, the last three games of the year, we really got away from just fundamentals of blocking and running and thought that the long ball was the way to go. If you you look back in that game, we had um, several interceptions that were during key moments, and I think that really – they went down and scored, and our defense was just on, on, on the field too long. One thing that they did expose us to was our linebackers. Our linebackers I th- were not good in covering out of the backfield. So uh, I think that provides us a little trouble, and, and we've got to get a little stronger there. And their quarterback's really good. I mean, they got the only quarterback probably better than yours in the whole country. So. I, I agree, yes. So would you beat them? I mean, you predicted the whole season. If, if, you're, if you're sitting in the Superdome playing Clemson for the championship, what's the score? I think we're probably – I think it's still high scoring. I think we're like 42, 38. Uh, I think it's one of those games where whoever's got the ball last wins. All right. Anything else you want to tell these folks about Alabama? Well, when I was born, I was born in Mobile, Alabama, and I was red like a little firecracker. So (laughs) I had to be an Alabama person right away. I wasn't orange. I've always been red, so I bleed red. So it's – it's crimson all the way. Well, all these folks said we do a lot of business in Alabama. It's our biggest state, and uh, and all they hear me talk about is Mississippi State. So I'm glad I got to share a little Chancellor Alabama with them today. So they'll keep doing business with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Now we're going to preview the Kentucky Wildcats with the other co-founder of Next Move Group, Alex Metzger. So as we do it, we're also going to preview Mississippi State, who's my team, because we play each other. And Alex is the only person I know of that cares about Kentucky football. All they study up there is basketball, 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 basketball. Alex actually cares about football. And Kentucky actually had a halfway decent season last year, so I think he's excited about it. So Alex, tell us about the Cats this year. Well, we're not going to be quite as solid as we were last year, winning the New Year's State Bowl, beating Penn State. Um, but we should be pretty good. We are very, very deep on the defensive line this year, which is going to make up for losing Josh Allen, uh, who was our, our top first-round pick, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
And uh, so if Terry Wilson can take a step up at quarterback, play a little better than he did last year, I definitely think we will make another bowl this year. Uh, the game's going to be coming down to Tennessee. If we can beat Tennessee, uh, we'll probably have a seven or eight win season as opposed to a six or seven win season if we don't beat Tennessee. Either way, we're going bowling again. Tennessee beat you last year. Were well, you supposed to have that great team? You lost to Tennessee. We did. We did. Uh, that happens. But we did beat Mississippi State, which uh, you may know a little something about. Now you're going to be – you beat us twice in 15 years and you brag about it. I mean, uh, the first time you beat us was on a 60-yard field goal. Your kid, out of, he couldn't make that kick again in a 1,000 years. And then last year you beat us. Moorhead went up there and had no earthly idea how to call a place. I'm still not convinced we've got the right coach. If that had been Dan Mullen, we would have beat you all bad. But Moorhead went up there and – and uh, your end just sacked our guy every time, and it never occurred to Moorhead to put a, uh, anybody over there to help block that guy. Every time he just came right around and sacked. Never occurred to our coach to do anything about it. Well, for that game not mattering much, you sure didn't answer my phone calls for about four days. So uh, maybe it meant a little more to you than you're acting like. Well, I just hope and pray that our coach has learned his lesson after that pitiful, pitiful performance. He, against Florida last year, I can't remember. We might have scored 10 points, and then that game was pitiful. So I am not convinced we've got the right coach. Of course, Dan Mullen was a real winner. And anybody that criticizes him is crazy. And um, – I know he's hard to get along with, and some Mississippi State fans are upset with him that he left. You can't blame him for going to Florida. The man is a winner. We're recording this after they played Miami last night, and um, he just found a way to win that game. And I promise you, he would have beat Kentucky. I've never been so uh, upset with a coach in my life. And just every time they, every time they snapped the ball, that end ran around the end and sacked our guy. Well, don't feel bad. You're not the only team that, that uh, Josh Allen did that to last year. Are, are you telling me you don't expect big things from Mississippi State because you're not a fan of their coach? I do not really expect big things. Uh, the NCAA just put us on a little bit of probation, three or four scholarships, not much. But, you know, it's funny. Apparently, we did the same thing North Carolina did, only we did it only one, one tutor instead of like 20, like North Carolina. But because they have Roy Williams in the politics, uh, they let them ride off, no, no trouble whatsoever. But poor Mississippi State, we're going to make an example out of them. That's what the NCAA is. Hmm. Well, no, Kentucky's offensive line and defensive line are very, very solid this year. And we have Lynn Bowden, at wide receiver, who is going to be a first or second round draft pick next year. Is really electric, one of the fastest players in the SEC. So uh, we're going to have a pretty good team this year. Uh, going to go to a little more spread and a little more passing than we did last year with Benny Snell, but I'm sure it'll still be enough to get past Mississippi State. We lost three of our defensive linemen to the first round of the NFL. I mean, that's the kind of season we wasted. That that was the best defense in football, certainly better than Alabama. You saw Clemson went up and down the field on them, and we totally wasted it because we didn't have a coach that knew how to handle the offensive scheme that he inherited, the talent he inherited, and three defensive starters in the first round of the NFL. And uh, we only got three coming back on defense. Thank goodness we don't play Kentucky till on over in there. We'll have a few games to sort of uh, warm ourselves up. So uh, can you keep your coach? I mean, no no decent coach would stay at Kentucky long. Y'all don't care about football. All you care about basketball. If, if he has another winning season, he's going to be out of there, don't you think? Uh, there's always a chance of that. However, we're He's making quite a bit of money and seems to be pretty happy. Um, you know, one of the good stories about Mark Stoops, he came in to interview and he called, asked to be an interview, and he came in and sat down with a PowerPoint presentation, said, I want to go over this first. 
and it was titled how, how Kentucky will win the SEC East in five years. And he went through spending all this money on the new training facility and all this, and, and it must have been a hell of a PowerPoint because they called him back a few days later and gave him the job. So, uh, How many years he's been there? Five years? You're not going to beat Georgia. He'd been there six or seven years now, but still, we're, uh, we're a lot better program than we were when he took the reign. So, uh, you know, I'm a Stoops fan. He's done a great job of recruiting Ohio and Michigan and even Florida, some areas that we didn't even think to go recruit uh, back in the Rich Brooks days. So, And uh, so you think Tennessee is the key game. Do you play anybody out of conference other than the little sisters of the poor? I mean, you start with Toledo. You know that that's a real nice warm up for Kentucky. Uh, bring into then you then you play that juggernaut Eastern Michigan. You know, uh, and then then you got Florida coming to town, and you know you won't beat Dan Mullen. The only time you ever beat him at Mississippi State was that sixty yard field goal. He's got a pretty good team at Florida. Their defensive line sacked Miami ten times last night. Well, I I do want you to know that the first time Florida lost to Kentucky and and what, 30-something years was when Dan Mullins was coaching last year. So we're pretty much undefeated against Dan Mullins as a Florida head coach. So, uh, And if last night's football game against the Hurricanes was, was any any example, I'm not too scared of Florida this year. Well, we all know you're actually a Miami Hurricane fan because you live down there, and so you got nothing to be proud of with that either. Uh, they got sacked ten times last. It was, it was absolutely embarrassing to watch. Well, you know, Miami's little quarterback uh, committed to Kentucky twice to be our quarterback in both times. He's a good quarterback. He's going to be good. He ended up going to Miami. So I watched that game uh, Watched that game with a little extra interest last night, knowing that he was supposed to be the Kentucky Wildcat quarterback. And for some reason, the SEC has moved the Mississippi State-Kentucky game to September, which makes no difference when it's in Starkville like this year. But when it's in Kentucky, that means you can't do the Keeneland horse races. So for those of you – who've never been to Lexington and done the doubleheader where you do the Keeneland horse racing in the morning and the football at night, you missed a real treat. So whoever plays Kentucky, and it uh, looks like Arkansas plays you in October, and Missouri. So for the Arkansas and Missouri fans, you really ought to consider going up. I'm very upset that uh, that the SEC did that. You know, I don't think y'all have ever beat us in Starville since you had that guy that broke his hand that day, Guy Mars. He broke his hand one day. He was very upset. Y'all ended up winning the game. You had a little kid run a bunch of punts back. But I don't think you've won in Starkville since then. Was that Derek Abney running the – It might have been. I was sitting there. I left in about – I got upset in the fourth quarter and went home to watch the other games. But he ran back two or three in that game. And then still your coach uh, broke his hand. It was nothing – he should he should have been happy not breaking his hand. So after us, then you go to South Carolina. I doubt you can beat them. They seem to be improved. Did you beat them last year? We have beat South Carolina four years in a row, I do believe. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to keep that streak up for, for sure. They're, they're getting a lot better. Um, but I see you going down our schedule. What, what win total do you think Mississippi State's going to get to? You all have some juggernauts out of conference. All I care about, all I care about is beating Ole Miss, and we did that last year with great ease. And so if we get them at home this year, we should beat them at home. I'm very upset that we play them on Thanksgiving night, and the Saints play the Falcons on Thanksgiving night. It's – Totally stupid that they would schedule these games the same day. Both my rivals, I can't even enjoy one for the other one. I mean, if one's up 21 to nothing and the other one's behind 7 to 3, I'm going to be upset. I think that is the definition of what people call first world problems, Chad. It is a big problem, and it's and it's stupid that the NFL two years in a row made us play on Thanksgiving, and when you go to the Egg Bowl, it ruins Thanksgiving because you have to hurry up and eat your turkey and your dressing. You can't sit and take your normal nap. And watch Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. You have to go. You have to get in your car and go to get up there. 
And uh, so I'm tired of these Thanksgiving games. You go to Georgia, you can't beat them. You play Missouri at home, they're improved. Then Tennessee, then at Vanderbilt. You end with Louisville and Tennessee Martin. So, you know, that's two. Can you win at Vanderbilt? Eh. Let's say you win that. Let's say you lose one of the Vanderbilt Tennessee, so that gives you three wins. You're going to lose to Georgia. Can you beat Missouri? I doubt. Missouri should be much improved this year. The Vegas win total for Kentucky has been set at six and a half out of Caesars. And it, it oh. Cool. Uh, I think that's right in line. I, I do think seven wins is very likely. Again, uh, the Tennessee game is going to be extremely important. If we get that game, we're, we're guaranteed to get seven or eight wins, uh, barring a massive amount of injuries. Um, but that's going to be an important game. Well, I interviewed Daniel Webb for my Tennessee preview, and he said that uh, Kentucky wasn't beating Tennessee. So I, that was his prediction. He bragged that they beat y'all last year. Uh, as bad as they were, they beat Kentucky and Auburn. So Tennessee's on the way back. You know, we're returning seven on offense, but, you know, what difference does that make if the offense can't score any points? And last year, Moorhead had, had no idea what to do with them. Now, luckily, we've got a transfer from Penn State. Tommy Stevens going to be our quarterback. So he knows Moorhead's system. So maybe, maybe, since this guy knows his system, we will be improved. But we start with Louisiana Lafayette in New Orleans in the Superdome Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. We should beat them. But I've watched Mississippi State lose to Louisiana Tech in that first game before. Then we play Southern Miss at home. We should be able to handle the Golden Eagles. Then we get Kansas State at home. They've made a coaching change. They don't have that old man anymore. You know, so we should be 3-0 and when Kentucky comes in, and we should beat y'all. Y'all generally don't beat us in Starkville. If you beat us in Starkville, get rid of Moorhead right that day as far as I'm concerned. Just get rid of him right then. We should be 4-0 and heading to the Auburn Tigers. And, you know, I'm never convinced Auburn's any good. Uh, uh, they think they're good. They're starting a true freshman quarterback. They'll probably beat us at Auburn. That'd be 4-1. and Then we go to Tennessee. We'll beat Tennessee. They're pitiful. That would make us 5-1. and one. Then we play LSU at home. Ogeron has not won in Starkville in a while. I'll never forget sitting at an Egg Bowl one day when he had us beat and went for a fourth and won his own end up 14 points stupidly, and we stopped him. And that really got him fired at Ole Miss. So we'll beat them. Then we go to A&M. You know, I think A&M's highly improved. We'll lose probably there. Arkansas, everybody will beat. They're pitiful. They don't know what they're doing. That coach they've got. Uh, then we play Alabama, and we finish with Ole Miss. So, you know, I don't think we're going to be very good, but look at this schedule. It's very manageable. I mean, we play uh, Ole Miss at home. We play LSU at home. We play Give us a win number, Chad. We wins? play Kentucky at home. You know, we got most of our hard games at home. You know, you're not going to beat Alabama anyway. You know, we can probably win eight football games. If we win any less than that, we might need to make a change. Well, I, I think eight eight is a good target for you. I think seven would be a good season for Kentucky. But I will say, if if Daniel Webb and Tennessee fans are not bragging about beating Kentucky last year, then the Kentucky football program is in the right direction. Tennessee's taking pride in beating uh, that. Daniel knows that Tennessee should have never fired Philip Fulmer. He ran around hollering that they should, and I told him the day they did it, you're making a terrible mistake. Philip Fulmer had been to the championship game the year before, and they fired him, and they hadn't had a team since. I laugh, and now they had to hire Philip to come in to save the day as an athletic director. In his first year, he carries the basketball team to the SEC championship, I think, or did Kentucky win it? I can't remember which one of y'all won it. Auburn ended up winning it, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yep. Auburn won the tournament. So, yeah. uh, Auburn has transitioned. 
Auburn has transitioned to a basketball school. All right, well, what is going to be the score of the Mississippi State-Kentucky game? And it is in Starkville, mind you. Uh, I'm going to say 27 to 24 Mississippi State. So you agree that we're going to win the football game? I mean, y'all got those damn cowbells you hear so loud you can't even call her audible. They, they need to take those things away from y'all. Uh, just because uh, we have a better atmosphere than Kentucky. Kentucky's got a great tailgating atmosphere, but once you go in the game, the people don't really care. They just kind of sit there. We'll see. Uh, again, it, Lynn Bowden's a bad man. He's going to return some punts on you, get deep for some, some long touchdowns, and, and you may be not answering my call for another four days. We are, we are ones that will let a punt get returned on us, so I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. And, uh, anybody that watched our bowl, we had Iowa beat, and literally, literally, our man <laughs> caught a wide-open touchdown in the end zone and couldn't – nobody around him couldn't, couldn't get it in. The ball hit his pad about straight in the air and got intercepted by Iowa. You know, that's – but as long as we beat Ole Miss, who cares? I mean, that's really the approach I have to the season. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm still on Moorhead's side because he whipped Ole Miss last year. Now, if he'd have lost that, I'd be totally against him. But if you beat Ole Miss, we're happy. And uh, you got to give that coach a break. He's going to be a good little coach for you. Well, we got used to Dan Mullen, and you can say what you want about Dan the man. He is a winner. Dan Mullen is a winner. And I don't care. People say, well, he's not recruiting well at Florida. He'll take a team that's not as good as the other team and beat them, you know, and eventually he's going to get his recruit. The man is a winner. The job he did at Mississippi State, Mississippi State's the hardest place in the world to win. And the job he did, I mean, we ought to put a statue up outside, outside of it. So I'm rooting for him when, uh, when he doesn't play the Bulldogs. All right. Well, good luck to you this year, and uh, I'll be waiting for my annual bragging rights check that you have to send me at the end of the year. Yeah, because you don't try to win. So, Alex and I have a $1,000 bet on the bragging rights football, which I've already told the audience about the football contest. And uh, all he does is try to beat me. And, you know, there's 40 of us that play, so I try to win the contest, which means when I get behind, I have to pick the wrong side of the teams, you know, to try to win. Well, not him. He didn't even try to win. He just tries to beat me. Well, that makes a world of difference because then at the end, when I'm actually trying to go get it and pick the upset, you know, he's sitting there picking the Patriots every week and Alabama and Clemson and because he knows that if he does that, I can't get around him. But that's fine. He'll never actually win the contest that I've won four times. I do think I uh, finished second last year, and I think I left. You did not finish second last year. Go back and look. If you did, it's because the one at the top must have had to bought us Alabama and lost to Clemson. I'm just telling you what the standing said. Well, you never had a chance to win, let's put it that way. All right, thank you for being with me today on my program. See ya. I want to thank the University of Southern Mississippi's Masters of Economic Development program for sponsoring today's podcast. We work with Southern Miss a lot, and they do tremendous research for us. Whether we're working with a site selection project that we need Southern Miss's help to understand labor and the market around that area, transportation, they do a lot of research in, or whether we need talent from University of Southern Mississippi. We have hired their students that actually work for us as both interns and full-time employees. So you can get a master's degree in economic development for 
the university. And they have two options to do that. One is mostly an online option where you go in a few weekends, and one is a more traditional classroom option. So whether you're running an organization and need talent or whether you're running an organization and need research, you should really consider University of Southern Mississippi's Masters of Economic Development program. A special thank you to Younger Associates for recording, editing, and publishing this podcast for us. I encourage you to visit their website at younger-associates.com.